1: This show, you see the title, The Pivot, with the Norah boys. Talking Notre Dame football tonight, we're going to get into a new quarterback from the 25 class. Now, we already know the quarterback that this dude wants to see in a Notre Dame uniform from the class of 25. But there's a young man that visited Notre Dame recently, got the Notre Dame offer, and announced that he's making his commitment later on this week. So we got to watch his film. Because if he commits to Notre Dame, it's Notre Dame once again playing the short game versus battling for a big-time kid like Deuce Knight. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Justin Scott got a little update two weeks after his first two visits. He's going to Miami, and then next up is Ohio State. So we'll chop it up and give you a little intel, just a little intel, of what's going on, and then give you the playbook that Miami's trying to use this weekend when he comes down to Coral Gables. And then on top of that, Lev, we use the title of today's show as Marcus Freeman attempting to pivot Notre Dame in the right direction. And the reason we say that, we talked about it yesterday. He talked about spending money and doing things to improve Notre Dame, which is great, right? I'm not about to get into, you know, what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, things of that nature. But I will say this. Marcus Freeman, in an interview with ON3, the Notre Dame site, expressed interest in some things being changed with admissions. So I want to dig into that. And before we do that, you have to remember, CFB Nation, it's the place to be. It's the place to get all your audio edibles, whether it's CFB All-American, Lucky Lucky Podcast, or Rising Draft. Now, we want you to subscribe to the YouTube page, the thumbs up, smash that button. Helps with the views. And then, on top of that, leave your comments. We respond to all. Matter of fact, on all Apple Podcasts and Spotify, give us five stars, leave your comments. The Lucky Lefty Podcast, exclusively a CFB Nation. You already know we spin it different.
2: So Marcus
1: Freeman left, in my opinion, has done an incredible job. Right? And what I mean by that, we uh we talked about what he did. Not only did he come in in a tough situation and end up being nine and four. Now we have some unforgivables that we both agree do not belong on the schedule at Notre Dame as an L, ever. I don't care if it's your first year. I don't care if it's your 10th year. I don't care what year you are the head coach of the University of Notre Dame. There should never be an L next to Stanford, at least that Stanford team, and there should never be an L next to Marshall. That Marshall team, never. Unforgivables. But even with the unforgivables, I truly believe that Marcus Freeman has done an incredible job turning the ship, saving the season, getting a bowl win against the SEC team. And then, because the way they ended the season is very similar to 2014 to me. Now they don't have a Malik Zaire. They don't have a Will Fuller. They don't have a Jalen Smith. So I'm going to go ahead and pass. That's, that's a lot. Just those three names right there, that's a lot. That's a lot that this team doesn't have. But we're talking about seasons that you had a little bit more expectations, did not end the way you expected them to end, but you turned things around and were able to get a big win against a quality SEC opponent in a bowl game. Bam. Tim Brown, he talks to the team last week and tells them, stop worrying about September. This is when you lock in. This is when you look each other in the eye and say, yeah, we got a national championship team. It's the same thing you shared with me on multiple occasions about that summer after the LSU bowl game. It's the same thing Bennett Jackson shared with us last week, the summer prior to the 2012 season, they looked at each other and said, we're going to the NAC. That's right. They knew it. When you find out who you are as a team right now, over the next two, next two months, over the next two and a half months, this team will determine whether or not they're a national championship contender. It won't be September when the ball is kicked off. It's right now. Thought that was very important for Tim Brown to point that out, for them to lock in right now. And Marcus Freeman has locked in on this program. Even though Brian Kelly left the program with a 10 and two record, the program wasn't healthy left. The recruiting wasn't healthy. The coaching wasn't healthy. There were cracks in the foundation of what Brian Kelly had built. Brian Kelly knew this and chose the bounce, right? You know, when you have cracks in the foundation, the roof is messed up. You can't get an FHA loan for that, right? FHA means that the seller has to fix all of that. That's right. And get it inspected before the loan can go through. Now you can go outside a different market, different financial market, and you can still sell the home as is. If there's a buyer willing to buy it, buy it as is and say, you know what? Yeah, we can handle that. That's minor. You know, we can take care of that. Either I'm a contractor and I know how to do it myself, or we have the funds to That's make right. sure we can take care of it. And to me, being on part of the staff and getting the lay of the land as a defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman was an individual that viewed himself as a contractor type and said, you know what? I can handle this. I see the, I see the cracks, but I think we can still win. And as he went through the season last year, he was honest enough to understand – even more problems that popped up. The quarterback room, number one. Like, he might have thought, hey, these two guys played well in the spring, and then all of a sudden, this ain't it. This, this is not it. We're going to have to change this immediately. And He didn't wait. He didn't wait for C.J. Carr to show up. He didn't wait for Kenny Minchie to show up and, you know, develop. No, he said, we have to change this now. And I venture to say if Kenny Minchie and Steve Angelia are not ready at the beginning of next year, they would go right back to the portal and go find someone else next year. I think he's dedicated to that. So I think Marcus Freeman is pivoting away from what Brian Kelly did and how Brian Kelly ran things and did things. Because there are a lot of things that he did from a recruiting standpoint, from a brand standpoint. It just wasn't good long term, in my opinion, for the program. And so I'm going to start off by saying that's the first thing that I'm impressed with, with Marcus Freeman is that he's choosing to pivot. You know, and I, I, I indeed, I indeed like that. Left, he's choosing to pivot.
3: Yeah, he's definitely choosing to pivot. I think it's a great adjustment while you're in the course of things shows that you're not stuck in your own ways or have an ego that's keeping you from making the right adjustments. Mm-hmm. Signs of A good coach that he's not going to, uh, he's going to coach to what he's seeing, not to uh, what he wants to happen. I mean, he's been making good adjustments, having to deal with that buyout uh, circumstance and having to uh, accept a different way of offense that he was had a vision for it in the beginning. And I think him being adaptable is, is a, is a great, factor as to why he's been a great candidate so far and a great hire as the as the replacement of what we've had before which was more of a foundational we're going to do it the way we're going to do it for it worked for 10 10 plus years but now marcus freeman is much more in the up and up uh-huh. where he's he's not going with the flow mm-hmm. but he's acknowledging the changes and evolution of the game Where he may have some huge obstacles where he can't fully act like everybody else, but he's given the effort of a of a program that is doing like everybody else. So I think that that resonates well within college football. Obviously, we're in the top ten and in, in recruiting, uh, but also it, it it puts alert on the teams that do have all the resources and access. Uh, that if Notre is recruiting a player there must be something to it, and
1: you know you better get on before you get lost. Yeah, especially with him. Because, like I said, I don't – I said this to someone the other day, and you played for him, so you be feel free to chime in, left. Brian Kelly is an absolute great coach in certain facets of the game. Great coach. I think he's a great college football coach. I really do. If you're breaking down certain areas of the game. But when it comes to being a great coach, see, every school is different. Ohio State is different. Being a head coach at Ohio State is different, bro. You can win 11 games and lose to Michigan, you got a problem. Ohio State is different, right? Yeah. Alabama is different. (laughs) It's different. Notre Dame is different. I would venture to say in a, in a small world, USC is different. But it's in the Pac-12. So in the landscape of things, it really doesn't have the same spotlight for right. some other schools, right? And L.A. is really a professional town still. Yeah. So, so what Pete Carroll did was absolutely amazing and mind-blowing. Cause that was like on the back of the Kobe Shack era <laughs> when he was doing out there doing what he was doing and he was yeah. getting buzzed and making USC relevant. That that was absolutely amazing.
3: Yeah I mean Pete Care was able to uh to capture what LA was along with what a player's coach can look like even for a guy his age and I mean, the perfect chemistry at the time with the type of players. I mean, come on now. You have Reggie Bush, Matt Miner, uh, you know, some guys that all-time greats. Now, you're going to get a huge boost, in my opinion, like Mac Brown gets a huge boost because he had Vince Young,
1: uh-huh.
3: all-time great. Now, he's put some get- together some good seasons and stuff after that, good players, but you have Vince Young. No matter what they say in the future – dabo had trevor and deshaun watson
1: <laughs>
3: so he can go zero and 12 for the rest of his life mm. but you're gonna respect him as a as a great coach are you gonna be like man he has some runs where whew. even coach O got all this respect now he didn't have he had the bill o'brien respect before he won with with joe burrow now now, now when coach O walk around notre dame you're like oh we got Coach O in the building, you know, so it just shows you where things are with that, and I think it's it's cool because now you get a chance to see uh, Marcus Freeman in the light where he gets to put himself in a in an elite niche position. If he can win a championship at Notre Dame, what's that going to look like on his resume? First year head coach, yeah. The guy before with the winningest couldn't do it. You come in in a five-year span and, and get one off, it's got to be statue worthy. But it's, it's particular to to uh, Coach Freeman for, you know, that production. But in terms of, like, you know, just being goaded in a sense,
1: uh-huh.
3: come on, you get generational players. Yeah. It's going to trickle down into your effect. You know, look at Bill O'Brien. He had Tom Brady, and ever since then, he's been riding that on every job yeah. resume. Yeah, And it's hard to say no to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom he, he like, what you? I had Tom Brady. So hopefully we get a player like that. We had Kenny Minchie or something, you know, so we'll see.
1: Let me tell you something. Andrew Gilmore, man, thank you for chop, chopping it up, attacking, tapping in tonight. I see your comment. And Malika, Malika's out there. Um, I have a daughter that attends this school. I've been on campus several times in the last two, three years. The buzz out there now is nowhere near where Pete had it. It's it's not even close. It's not even close. They're trying to rebuild and get to that point, but it's not even close. And yes, UCLA has made a dent recently from a recruiting standpoint. Matter of fact, let me get... This is how you know the buzz that USC had is not there anymore. Because kids from traditionally... Funnel schools in Southern and Northern California that had no choice but to go to USC. You know the schools left. If you went to a certain school in California that was winning championships, it was a big-time program, you do. You were going to USC. Why? Because the vet in front of you went. You went. The youngster behind you, it was no choice. He was going. UFC doesn't have that hold on California anymore. Yeah, kids, like,
4: you
0: know, kids Chris in California, kid, Chris Fink, yeah,
1: like, you know. kids in California are going everywhere. They're going everywhere now.
3: Now there's not that many. There's not that many D1 universities in California. When I was, how they would be making it apparent? Because I asked about the same thing. I'm like, y'all got y'all best yeah. players. In. he's yeah. like, man, it's really not that many schools to go to out here from D1 all the way down to JUCO. Yeah, They don't have any more JUCO programs like that. It's like yeah. they got a couple D1 A's and and D1. So if you're not in those two categories, no, I'm sorry, they got JUCO and they got D1. So if you're not in those two categories, there's no D2. You got to go out of state, which a lot of players, like players that I coached last season, I'm seeing all these schools from outside the state because they don't have that many D2 opportunities and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, but if you're the top Malachi Nelson, it makes sense to go home to USC now. He was about to dip out of the state. Bryce Young had to dip out of the state. So now you get you get a staple powerhouse, Lincoln Riley, like Mac Brown was, like Pete Kerr was. You're gonna have a period where you're gonna get some guys rolling in, and you're gonna stack some teams that're gonna be pretty dangerous because of the foundation that's there, and it and it speaks more to what it what's in there as opposed to what the school is. Mm-hmm. USC still USC, but is it when you got trash coaching in there? Yeah, but when you got a solid coaching in there with Lincoln Riley and the things he's doing, USC look like the the school that never missed a beat. So we've been beating on them for a good
1: minute. Let me let me jump in right quick because you know and we said that this show in the chat was going to be an open forum for everyone to express how they feel. and I've always kept it that way. I wanted this show to be a forum for everyone to have a great chat and enjoy each other. And I'm not about to call out names because I think just facing it head on people will know what's up. And these are two guys that I've talked to and laughed with in the chat multiple times, and they've always supported. One thing that won't be tolerated is passive aggressiveness and disrespect for what we say. If you disagree with what we say, just disagree. But that passive aggressiveness and constant negativity, miss us with that. If you want to be negative, leave the show. If that's all you have to contribute to the chat every time you come on the show, leave. Because it's one thing to have an open forum. It's another thing to come to a show where we're all about positivity. That's all we do is talk positivity. And when you get to the point where you get too dark and you go down that hole constantly and constantly, we're not going down that rabbit hole with you, We're just not. And you know who it is. Relax, dude. It's not that serious. If you disagree, give a counterpoint in the chat. If we get to it, we'll get to it. If we don't get to it, other people in the chat will discuss it. It's as simple as that. But at some point, I have to tell you, you get to a level of ridiculousness, man. And as adults, you got to be better than that. As adults. Because we give you an open forum to be adults. And when it gets to a level of being a child, come on, man. Stop. Respect one another. Respect the content. And keep it funky. Keep it 100, keep it a buck. Give your opinion. But when too much is is enough, man, it is what it is. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Go ahead, Left. You know, I just happened to be watching the chat tonight. It was, and it's been for the last, really it's been for the last three or four shows. And I just tried to let it correct itself. Thinking that people could be adults,
3: and uh, you know, you know, it's just the power of the internet. You know, when you're behind the, the computer; you just a lot more free-spoken. And you know, when you have an open forum, people get a little too excited sometimes, and we get that. It's good to see that uh, all commentary is some commentary to talk about. So, you know, this is it's, it's, it's not Reddit. Man. But but we we do like the conversation going. We keep it going
1: ourselves, too. Dude, we don't block anybody. That's what keeps us funky. I'm not that dude, man. I'm living the real world, dude. I work with people that I know can't stand me for certain reasons. You know what? That's fine. Let's put it to work. Let's have this conversation. Let's get the job done. That's life. You can't run from other people's opinions. But what you can ha- ask is that everyone be an adult in the room. That's it. That's it. So Blake Hebert visited Notre Dame recently. Um and I hate man, I look, because I don't even do that, bro. I'm all about chopping it up, laughing. I get uncomfortable having to even. I, I get uncomfortable having to be the bad cop with my daughter left. Yeah, like I have to. Yo, literally, the first time I spanked the bro, I never forget. I was asked to discipline her. I took these two fingers right here, bro. And popped her on her butt with these two fingers, and it broke me. Because she started crying like I had, man, you would have thought I had really done damage. Yeah. And it broke me. So I'm not that dude. I'm not the bad cop. (laughs) Psychological effect, too. Yeah, man. I'm not the bad cop, man. I don't want to spend three minutes talking about the chat. Man, we came to have fun, man, and laugh. But sometimes, man, you can't let things go too far. That's it. Dude, you got the wooden spoon, G. Yeah, the wooden spoon was tough. Whew. I hope it wasn't the one that you know most of the grandmothers had on the wall. You know, the grandmothers that had the wooden fork and spoon on the wall in the kitchen.
3: Man, great yeah, man, decoration, bro. They're whooping devices. Yeah.
1: And it's obviously, it's obviously, you know, obvious by the sarcastic remarks that people that certain people knew exactly who I was talking to. So, oh, I want to get to these. Andrew Gilmore said, "Going back to what we discussed, no problem going to the portal again for a quarterback. Look at the top twenty-five; it's littered with portal quarterbacks. But I need, I need to know about Parker." Or I don't know about Parker yet. Okay. And you know what? It's not something five years down the line that I don't want to see Notre Dame doing. It's going to the portal at that position. But right now, because of the way things were, you can have another defection from the room at some point. You might have to. Yeah. You might have to, which leads us to we know how tough it is from a mission standpoint, a mission standpoint to get young men to the university of Notre Dame. It's tougher than most uh, big time college football programs left. Marcus Freeman was talking on three with on three about that and hoping to, you know, make some changes. But he specifically mentioned the transfer portal and admissions via transfer. Now we know with Notre Dame, it's about you're better off almost waiting two or three years to transfer into Notre Dame because they had this big thing about core classes and you know certain classes. It's impossible almost to get a freshman or a sophomore to transfer into Notre Dame, it really is. With the way the rules are now, right? Can there be some adjustments? to allow maybe for maybe not a freshman, but maybe a sophomore looking to move to get into Notre Dame, especially if he's coming from, especially if he puts in the work in the classroom. Right. Now, I understand Notre Dame holding fast if you're trying to get somebody in that has shown on the college level that they have no interest in academics. I can't really fight for that person. I can't laugh. I can't go before the board and fight for that person. But let's say you give me someone that's in the 2.5 range in high school and Notre Dame would much rather ask them to do a few things to prove themselves and allow them in rather than to allow a freshman in that has gone to a state school like Alabama, even though they might have a three-point whatever. Mm, no, nah, because the, what the school courses you're taking don't equate to us. So right. we'd much rather take a chance on this 2.5 kid and give him an opportunity to become assimilated to what we do and allow the University of Notre Dame to make an impact on him. So it's it's... It's a a slippery slope, left. It's a slippery slope. It really is. But if Marcus Marcus Freeman is willing to go and form a relationship, I would say this. Ever since the news has broken that Jack Swarbrick would be stepping down, Marcus Freeman has been more vocal about change than he's ever been. Yeah. I find that very interesting, Lev. Very
3: well, interesting. Know, he's, he's he's sort of speaking from the podium of, okay, I'm open now. Okay, guys, I'm starting this 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 campaign over on these ideas that I got that I need some backup on.
2: Uh-huh. Having
3: Pete Bravaco coming in and seeing the the strides I'm making, hopefully he can come in feeling like he the the job's half done, and we can just talk about the things I'm gonna need to be successful. So maybe it is a refreshing. Uh, a refreshing perspective Marcus Freeman is having on it. Maybe he's like, look, this can turn things around with this and we can really put this together and I can get what I need now. You know, maybe this can lighten up that admissions box a little bit. Maybe we can get some linebackers out of the box now. Mm -hmm. He's He's like, we got Sam Hartman. We can throw it now, see if I can throw it deep on some of these asks that I have as a head coach. And they won't play, the administration's not going to play 11-man box, and I'm trying to run the football. Now, the game plan's opening up. You see I'm pulling all type of tricks out of my bag, putting us in position with these current obstacles. Mm -hmm. Now, take a step back. If we get some of these other uh, gifts that these other schools are applying pressure and recruiting, we can go from eight to four, eight to top three real quick. Just, just let me just open the door a little bit for me, you know. Let me get a couple of the, the borderline guys on their missions in there, you know. Let me, let me finagle some things get a couple of these five stars in because I'm going to get the best ones. I'm not just going to pull anybody now. This isn't last chance you.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, we're not taking guys on their second strike or hanging on their third. Yeah. But we might get a kid on his first. Yeah. <laughs> Never wrong taking a kid. I believe in second chances. We good stewards. Yeah, you know we'll take a kid on this on looking for a second chance. That's what we do. That's Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I rock with that. I yeah. rock with that. But I love the fact that he has an opportunity. I think it's clear, and look, it's clear that he took bullets for this university. Earlier this year, I'm speaking of Marcus, Marcus Freeman. He he protected a few people as they were getting ready to walk out the door. I'll leave it at that. And he made that decision. Now, when you make that type of decision, that's a that's a piece. That's something you keep in your back t- pocket for the right time to say, hey, remember when I did this? Yep. Remember when I did this? So, with the new guy coming in, I can't say that Marcus Freeman was bigger than Jack Swarbrick. At any point in time, as the head coach, Jack Swarbrick is a big shadow. Just his connection with the college football playoff expansion committee, his connections around college football, just being there and, and, you know, having the ears around the campus. Jack Swarbrick was pretty big. That's pretty big. And look, it is—it is what it is, and was what it was. Pete Bavakwa is coming in, having to build a relationship with everybody, including Marcus Freeman. And Marcus Freeman, at this point in time, is a little bit bigger than the new athletic director. That's right. At Notre Dame, so just a little
3: bit. It's not, you know. Yeah, no. it's just okay. a little
1: bit bigger. And now he gets to come in and get on the same page yeah. with someone. I remember that I remember I'm the head coach now. With someone that played the game, number one, at Notre Dame. Played the game at Notre Dame and who has a relationship not only with former players, but has a relationship with the university. You know? And there's certain things that you – Notre Dame is different, man. Like, you can't whine about it. Hey, bro, the Chicago White Sox are different. You know why? Because the owner is from the old school. He hates the union. He tried to break the Major League Baseball Players Union years ago. He was unsuccessful. He does not like young owners coming in, giving out $300 million, $400 million contracts. He thinks it's dumb and he thinks it's bad for business. And while everybody's sitting here talking about, oh my god, he's terrible. The man has seven championships between two sports. You say what you want to say. He has seven titles between two sports. Who is this again? It's Jerry Reinsdorf.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) So yes, he's old school. He's antiquated. He keeps the White Sox from going into the future and evolving as an organization? Absolutely. So does it sound familiar, Left? Does it sound familiar? Uh, I'm talking about Jerry Reinsdorf, but does it sound familiar to Notre Dame fans? You see the San Diego Padres getting Fernando Tatis, spending money on Manny Machado, trading for Juan Soto, doing all of this stuff. And you know what the Padres are doing? They're doing all of that to be in third place in the division. Because they're still behind the Dodgers and the Giants, bro. It doesn't matter. They're still going to get spanked by the Dodgers every year. But they do it because that's the only way they can compete. Yeah. And they know it. So why just sit here and flounder? Why just sit here and flounder when I can actually spend money and really give myself a shot? And guess what happened in the playoffs last year, Left? They beat the Dodgers in the playoff series. Yeah, finally, yeah. They
2: gave themselves a shot.
1: Marcus Freeman is asking administration to give Notre Dame football a shot. That's it. Just give us a shot. We don't have to spend as much as the Dodgers. We never will. We'll never have the farm. Dude, the Dodgers have a farm system for 30 years that constantly – they're like the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve. The U.S. Federal Reserve prints money. The Dodgers prints prospects, dude. They just print rookies print rookies they let justin turner go they got this kid outman that comes out of nowhere this dude is just killing the ball where did he come oh. from oh <laughs> no he was, he was just down in the minors right they lose trey turner to the phillies oh who's this kid vargas killing the ball oh no we just had him down in the minors. it is what it is man and you can talk about the Padres got lucky. They gave themselves an opportunity to get lucky. Yeah, Lucky shows up when you get better players. And you actually spend money on your team. You know what lucky is for the White Sox? Luck up on one in 2005 and keep waiting to mm-hmm. luck up on another one for another 30, 40 years. This is, you know... Notre Dame fans know what I'm talking about. No, you are not allocating what needs to be allocated to your football program right now for them to rightfully compete with the best of the best in college football. Point blank. And if you just give a little bit more If you just give a little bit more in admissions with transfers, if you just give a little bit more in NIL and other areas, you might luck up and win a college football playoff. Might. You just might luck up. It's just
3: the fact we're so close, but we feel so far because we know what hasn't and isn't
1: changing. Absolutely. 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 You know, it's Dodgers fans in the chats. I understand. White Sox are about to get swept in Dodger Stadium this weekend. My baby girl was going to the bobblehead night Thursday. I told her, just go and enjoy the food. The White, White Sox ain't doing a darn thing against this Dodger squad. And the Dodgers oh, have me, they, dude, they're chilling. They're coasting. They haven't even started playing good yet, Left? Oh, they haven't even. No, they're like eight, nine games above 500, and they're just coasting. They're like two games behind, I think, Arizona. Arizona, they're going to be like five, six games clear of Arizona by the time we get to August and September. And Arizona has a nice young team. Yeah, They do. They have a nice young team. But the Dodgers
3: just running things right
1: now. Dodgers run the NL West, and everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. And the only way to truly compete, you can't outspend them. You can't outspend Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State. You can't. Notre Dame could because they have the money.
3: It's crazy because we definitely
1: could. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. They're not. But they don't have to to make it more competitive. They don't have to. So, look, it's a difficult situation with the undergrad transfers because of the core curriculum. I'm not taking core classes from the University of Arkansas and equate them to core classes from the University of Notre Dame. That's just not the way it's happening. No, This isn't like, yo, I would come home over the summer and go to Prairie State College, bro. Take a class that I didn't want to take at the University of Illinois. Take that bad fella, real laid back during the summer. Get a B. Take that bad fella down there, put it on the transcript, bro. Because they would take their credits and it was cheaper. Instead of being like 120 per credit hour, it was only like 40.
4: Yeah.
1: It's Man. just not transferable. That's what Notre Dame is saying. That work is not transferable. Not here. It's not. It's just not transferable. And that's an admissions thing. And I'm not about to sit up here and argue about that. Not from an undergrad standpoint. No, no. But, you know, the Brandon Hillman situation, I'll argue this. The Brandon Hillman situation is ridiculous. It's it is. ridiculous. Like, stop. You wanted him to get a B, he got a C plus. If you want to split hairs like that, then you might as well stop play, Stop taking players that have less than a 3.0 at Notre Dame. Yeah. If we're splitting hairs like that. Really? Come on, man. And I applaud Brian Bronte Johnson, who's going to be making his decision coming up later in the week. He went above and beyond in his academics, really turned the corner, called Notre Dame's eye. But I'm here to tell you, when you start splitting hairs with young men in high school, either you believe in your program and that you can change young men's lives or you don't. You do your research. You find out about their families. You find out about their situations. And every left, some people come into high school their first two years, and they're just knuckleheads. And then the light goes on. And once you get behind on your GPA, it's really hard to bring it up. Yeah. It's really hard to bring it up. you much rather start off fast and then, you know, let it tail off towards the end. So you don't know what the situation is with these young men. And, you know, I can go on the other side and play devil's advocate and say, yo, you ask the kid to do one thing, one class. And if he couldn't focus on that one class and get the grade asked, uh, what else do you want us to do? Man, so it is what it is. Like I said, I'm not about to squabble with um, transfers for undergrad because I under- it makes sense to me. Right. Why you wouldn't take certain credits from certain schools at the University of Notre Dame academically? I get that. I'm not arguing that. But to leave your program at the point where the only thing they could take is grad transfers from Northwestern, that that's not happening. You no, know, that that's not good enough. It's not good enough, and you know. Or picking up grad transfers from Marshall on the offensive line. Like that's that's not good enough, man. It's not, not good, good enough. enough.
3: Everybody in the room knows who we are and what we can do. It's yes, we can yes. Get away with stuff that Rutgers do and these smaller schools that aren't competing for championships. But you know, once we as a as a fan base recognize that we're very cheap. So now all these moves that are are very frugal like you're like oh here we go Uh it wasn't a surprise we wasn't going uh take the buyout once that news came out you didn't have to write no cover story because we know Uh uh-huh we sitting on all the money what do you cover it's not no surprise we didn't want to pay for that it's not no surprise that 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 The amenities that other coaches have in college football, like Urban Meyer and the Sabins, that we should have the same and everything, but it's not like that. Yeah. It's not. But don't give us the facade as if we're approaching or encroaching on it. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's not fair either. If this is just to make us believe like they're doing something when they're really not, I'm like, for what? That just, it just be like, for what? Because that's what turns coaches away. That's how you can never get the right footing on your program. Because at the end of the day, you're denying what you are doing. You're like throwing a stone high in your hand. Mm -hmm. When everybody knows. It's like, don't lie to me when I know. Don't, you know, you got caught. Don't try to rub my shoulders and say, I didn't see that. I know what I saw. I see it. Yeah. We already know you got all the money. Why are you trying to act like you broke now? Don't yeah. throw the good stewardship at me because I because y'all acting like I don't see that big old vault with the big green money sign on it locked up. Right, y'all ain't trying to open it. It's okay. you try trying to open the bank. We should make shirts like that. Just say misguided passion on the back of it. Be like open the bank. <laughs>
1: It'd be me in your head. You know what? Face, yeah. Cracking the bank open. That's it. Open the bank. <laughs> open the bank. This the passion. The open the bank. misguided passion. T-shirt courtesy open, of. Lucky open that. Lucky.
3: Open that ten billion
1: dollar vault up. Come on, what are we talking about? I'm, like not, I'm not even. I'm, I'm not even greedy, bro. I will take five at this yeah, point. Just take. Just I'll take. take five at this point, love. Give me a five billion dollar budget.
3: I know you're give paying taxes five. on that money. I just know you're paying taxes. Just give us the taxes part of that money. <laughs> Like, write it off as a charity. So come on, man. We yeah. can put this thing out. Yeah. But crack that safe because the safe is just stacking all this money. You know, yeah. you know what happens when the money sit there all the time. You know, it just decays.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. To get
3: to eating it. You know, Pablo Escobar had a hard time.
1: Yeah. And we see, just- that's, I, I. you know, Sid Iris said something, uh, point too, that I think is uh, a little bit far-fetched when it comes to Notre Dame fans and how they feel as fans. Because uh, I Notre Dame field, fans would feel like Notre Dame football made Notre Dame. You need to do your history on the University of Notre Dame and the relationships that they established, non-football, that hold power. Not money. They hold power. There's a reason there's a great relationship with Notre Dame and all of the armed forces and in the, in the academies.
3: And yeah, Notre Dame choose. That's what I said. We choose to not win a championship. This Notre a
1: championship. Dame. Notre Dame has power in college football. If, power.
3: If you, come on, if you really believe
1: that anybody had nothing to do, and that had nothing, they have not, that has nothing to do with your AD was a power broker for the expansion of college football playoffs when Notre Dame was supposedly not relevant. When people were like, Why is he why is he part of the committee? Because it's Notre Dame. It has nothing to do with the results knows, on the field. Notre Dame
3: knows that has financial
1: knows. power, world power. They're, they're the only world power in, in football, in sports. Think about that. They're the only world power in sports. No, you know Notre Dame because of football. If you grow up in the Chicago area, Nobody's talking about Notre Dame just for football. Are you kidding me? You know, Chicago was the bastion for the Catholic Church when I was growing up, bro. There were Catholic churches everywhere. Notre Dame was constantly talked about. And football just happened to be the add-on. Because you do know Notre Dame was a great institution that had power before that great coach, That made Notre Dame a brand in football came to the university. Like I said, do your research because the the power of the university was there before the football program became a power.
3: We was the only team playing the academies back then. Absolutely, was winning championships and like you said, playing on radio. That's how we grew a national base. We the only team playing on radio every day. That's why they either hate us or love us. Because if you turn that yeah. radio, the only football is Notre Dame versus somebody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. That's how we got USC popping. That's funny. Sid, Sid
1: Irish said, I met a person in Italy and they knew Notre Dame for football. It's a place called the Vatican that knows Notre Dame for Notre Dame.
3: Notre Dame got their name.
1: From has the nothing, has a direct line to Notre Dame that has zero to do with football. Everything's zero. To
3: that, that, that endowment, though.
1: Right. has everything to do with endowment. Like, what are we talking about, man? You're being presumptuous, man, just because you're a fan. But you're being a little, you know, a prisoner of the present. Not the moment, but the present. In the present-day world. Do your research. Notre Dame has been a power long before the football program got its jump. And, like Malik has always said, you have international power families who kids go to Notre Dame all the time. Malik said, you look to your left in your trade class and this kid's father owns this in Germany. You look to your right and it's another kid whose father's the leader of this tech company out in San Francisco. You look behind you and this is the other kid. It's like, dude, well, the university, do you get that? Where major power brokers are connected to the university that have absolutely nothing to do with football. And I disagree because I feel like sometimes that hinders the attention that the football program rightly deserves and should get to have a little bit of separation, in my opinion, but I cannot go against Malik and the other players that I've spoken to that talk about the greatness of spending time and the networking power of knowing those people as you leave the University of Notre Dame and eventually lead a game of football. Sid, you're digging it. Bro, the fact that you just asked where would Notre Dame be without football is one of the most ridiculous questions. You haven't won a championship in 35 years. Where is Notre Dame? You can't sit here and talk about Notre Dame's irrelevant because that's been your whole argument. You say, you constantly say it. They're irrelevant. They're not going to do anything. They don't spend money on football. They're not doing any of that, but they're still Notre Dame. The brand is still the most popular global football brand in the world. You, you're killing your own argument. And if you feel like it's just a private university in Indiana, it was a private university in Indiana when it was one of the most powerful universities in the country back in the early 1900s. Nothing's changed. And that was without football. And they have even more money, more money, more money. Now, I'm not missing your point. Your point is you want to talk about how important football is. But you point against that in your own arguments over the past week, saying that they don't do anything for the football program, and you have said that the program is irrelevant. So if the program is irrelevant, you can't use that argument to say it has made the University of Notre Dame. You can't. That's bad debating. You can't use that. That's my point. And I agree with you that they should invest more in the football program. And they are falling behind as college football evolves. I totally agree. But what I'm not about to do is push the school to the side like it's not one of the baddest things on the side of academics going. And from a power standpoint. That I'm not going to do. I'm not about to shine light on the football program and then just dismiss the other side, that is, Notre Dame, the university, the power broker, the academic high institution, that I'm not doing that. Because both can be true. The Notre Dame brand, from an athletic standpoint, has taken Notre Dame to certain places that the other side might not have ever taken Notre Dame. People might have become interested in Notre Dame through football that might not have ever paid attention to Notre Dame other than football. But we're not just about to sit up here and act like Notre Dame. Without football, it's not something in this world. There's a lot of world leaders that would disagree with you. A lot of C- CEOs around this, this world globally that would disagree with you. There's some football players. There's some football players in this world that play for Notre Dame, that would disagree with you because of life after football and what it's like for them. They eat the fruits of it. They eat the fruits of the power outside of football. Just telling you, man. Look, man, I'm not about to get into the politics. Doma Wap, I respectfully disagree with you. This narrative that Catholics were this, were hate. Man, it's amazing how they they had a narrative of Chicago Catholics were hated, and they had the best relationship with two of the most corrupt mayors that came from the same family in the city of Chicago. But they were hated. Don't fall for that narrative, man. Don't Don't do that. Don't do that. They're the biggest landowners in the world. Wealthiest landowners in the world. One of the most powerful institutions in the world. We're not doing, we're not about to do that. We're not about to do that, man. We're just not. We're just not. It's pretty crazy. Now, in 2023, in 2023. Is in Chicago, are they viewed the same way? No. Why? They didn't evolve with the city. But as a kid, when I was a kid, oh, yeah. That that narrative that they would hate it, all that stuff, you can say that. But I know from the business side, the deals were being cut with Mayor Daley, old man Daley, and with his son. That's 50 years of deals being cut. That's like
3: Georgia saying they're going to be 7-5. You
1: know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man.
3: You ain't going to be no
1: 7-5. Catholic Church has a long history of picking presidents in this country. Long history. So, I I would push back on that. But I would agree, moving forward, that it was a poor job of evolving, and I think the business and where things were going just kind of messed everything up but man it's dude bro it's catholic schools in the city of chicago because dude the catholic school in the city of chicago everybody went to a catholic school my, my father went to three two catholic schools before he went to a public high school the catholic school was the thing in chicago everybody went to a catholic school everybody but you know once certain things started happening they started closing them down and do you realize to this day i can drive around the city those same schools that have been closed for 20 years are still owned by the catholic church it's almost like they refuse to sell them right. <laughs> it, it literally is like they refuse to sell them man it, it's amazing my mom tried to buy one to open up her charter school yeah and they didn't want to deal you know for whatever reason lucky left the podcast uh let's see let's finish out these questions today and then we can switch over to blake hebert Hey, I'll save that one. Super Chat, have you guys watched any film of Bradley Shaw? Yeah. Broke down his film. Was it yesterday left? Yeah, I think it yesterday. Yeah, it was 4-D. yesterday. His ratings are nice. If we can get a high-level four star from Bama, I think that is impressive. Do so you see him as an Indy lean? I would say that things went really well on his official visit. Um, He would be in Alabama if he was bigger. If he was your prototypical linebacker, Bama would have jumped on him early. Would be him being out of Hoover, Alabama. Georgia would have jumped on him. Some other schools would have jumped on him. So a lot of people fear that he could be Prince Colley, come in and never be able to put on the uh, needed weight to play inside in that position. But he's so instinctive, you almost say if he's five pounds below He's so instinctive that he'll be able to still play the position effectively. And left, you watch his film, and you talked about it. You love what the young man brings to the table.
3: Yeah, I do. I think it's just that was the uh, um, the long guy, right? Yeah. Um, and I think was like I said, what's impressive is that you know when you're recruiting these guys that are so versatile. You're trying to find ways they can fit as a disruptor in a defense that, uh, you know, we're building that's aggressive. This kid has a motor. These are the, these are the identifying uh, factors of Notre Dame recruits that has seemed to be getting offered as of late is that they definitely have a motor. They play multiple positions in a versatile way, and, mm-hmm. and they're making a high impact on the physicality standpoint, which is what Marcus Freeman wants. So if you're checking those three boxes, it's most likely a Marcus Freeman recruit that's specific to what he's trying to build. Mm -hmm. So I think when those factors align, you get a kid that's going to fit like the rest of the kids in the room, then it just becomes, who has the most talent of these traits that we're trying to farm into our defense as a system?
1: Great question, Andrew. We appreciate you. Uh, Super Sticker. I got Max Ten. What's up, boy? Man, is that a, a glass of honora he has in his uh, avatar, bro? That might be. We appreciate you with the uh, Ornora and the cigar in your picture there. We appreciate it. I got Andrew Gilmore. Thank you for the super chat. Any intel on rushing? Is that recruitment essentially done? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in the middle here. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I saw what was you know reported over Irish breakdown. I think Ryan Roberts was back for his first recruiting show today. I have not checked it out today to see any other intel that he might have picked up. Uh, if we're basing everything off of – Not what he said after the visit, and just the vibe while he was there. As far as not really connecting with the kids in the class, then you know, you know, I think still Steve will phone, you know, what he reported was with his conversation or came from a conversation he had with Russian. So you know, at this point, both things can be true. He could have had a great trip. Great relationship with Al Washington, and because of the person he is, he just didn't connect with certain people on the trip. Uh, Like I said, Teddy Rezac came back as a commit. He's from Nebraska. Well, that was really smart for him and really smart for Notre Dame because Carter Nelson is another Nebraska kid, right? Guess who else is a Nebraska kid that made his Georgia visit really comfortable? Dylan Rayola, who happens to be the number one quarterback. It just happens that Georgia already has Jay Burdell in the class and has his eyes on another tight end, the Matthews kid. So Carter Nelson, the best relationship from a coaching standpoint, in my opinion, is Jared Parker. I said it at the time when Jared Parker was elevated to offensive coordinator that that would benefit In the recruitment of Carter Nelson, because not only is he his position coach, he is now his offensive coordinator. And I felt like that would go a long way. So, you know, to get back to rushing, it it can honestly just be a situation where things just didn't go well. It just didn't go well, you know, from that aspect. But from other aspects, he could have a great relationship. Well, Al Washington, and that could be truthful. And instead of being a home run weekend, it ended up being a very good weekend and a very good trip. Is that good enough to win and get him from the West Coast? Mm. Uh, you could have very well have asked Benjamin Morrison to connect, right? Another kid, been here as a freshman, been here one year from Arizona, just like Elijah Russian. You know, could he have spoken to him about the transition from coming out west and being an Arizona kid and adjusting to Notre Dame? He could have. He could have somehow, some way just ran into him on campus as he was walking around. But, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think another one of the young men that were visiting that weekend was uh, quiet to himself as well. You know, but you have to take things what they're worth and play it out. The fact that Notre Dame, the bigger thing is in his recruitment is that Notre Dame actually got back in the picture. And that shows that Al Washington is willing to put in work. And Al Washington is really becoming very well-liked by a lot of defensive linemen in the 24 and 25 classes that are top elite recruits the question now becomes can he close the deal can he close the deal that we don't know it's all about can he close the deal oh heart foundation congratulations to you my man he said he just we were talking to give him the comp uh selling a home early Mm -hmm. in the show and Heart Foundation, as he always taps in with us <laughs> at 350K, he just put he just had his realtor put his home on this market on the market today. And we man, I hope it sells within a week, my brother. I hope you get above asking. I hope an offer comes in that's 10% above asking. And uh 5 to 10% above asking, and you can walk away with a nice little piece of change, as they say. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. No, no, don't no, be whopped. No problem for you pushing back. I don't think you push back hard. I just had a point of view. Uh, I had a point of view from growing up in a city where the Catholic Church was very prominent, and just happened to be, you know, seventy miles away from Notre Dame, right? and just experiencing everything that was happening it just gave me a different view yeah sean powell there's no wait. that's that's petty train worthy we'll get to that we'll get to that shortly um, and yeah that's not being negative you just give me your point of view and your point of view was valid i just want to push back with my personal experience on some things, that I want it. Matt 10 said he's pairing a Cohibo and a Nora Whiskey at the long day. Man, that's truly a goddess, LL Nation. That's the way to close out the day, just like Marcus Freeman does in his own collection. He sits now at the end of the night with a little bit of a Nora Whiskey. All right, we come back. Don't forget, subscribe, like button, smash it. C B Nation, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Notre Dame attempting to pivot Marcus Freeman being a lot more vocal about the business side of football and the admission side of football than he's ever been since Jack Swarbrick has announced that he's stepping down. I don't think it's coincidence. I think he is using this very strategically. You know, I, I really do. When we come back, we'll talk a little Justin Scott, and then we'll get into Mr. Blake Hebert, who visited Notre Dame and has made the announcement that he's going to decide where he's going to college coming up soon. Lucky Lucky Podcast. We already know. We spin it different.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?